0: Love talk radio. <laughs> <laughs> Is Raina Starr. I'm your host. How do you like that? It doesn't matter if you like that. Welcome to Desperate House Witches. How Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So, if bad language, folly function, dirty talk of any kind might upset you, this is not the show for you. And I will tell you, I'm going to lay it out tonight. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot. I'm going to be me. Watch it. Desperate Housewitches is brought to you by the amazingly wicked one herself, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out her social media page on Facebook for a link to this month's special. And time is running out, so you all better get on the wishing box while it's available. So that's, once again, www.wickedwitchstudios.com. Check it out. It is our beloved Dorothy Morrison. Okay. For the hour. Oh, this guy's amazing. Okay, so Storm Fairy Wolf is back, and we are going to talk about his much-anticipated, already-released, The Satyr's Kiss. Hello, my friends.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. How are you doing?
0: I'm, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's been kind of crazy. I don't know if it's the weather I don't know if my underwear is too tight. I don't know if I need a cookie. (laughs) It could be anything with me this week. I feel overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated, and like the universe has just decided that this was the week to fuck with me. How are you? Uh, (laughs) Ah.
1: Well, I I feel you. I I wonder if there's something. I have to talk to my astrological friends and find out what the astro weather is because today especially has been tough there's been there's been stuff, uh-huh. I know we were chatting about it, but technical weirdness and communication yeah. stuff, and damn it, I can't even blame Mercury retrograde, so just point me at, point right. me in the direction of somebody to blame
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? and i as I had spoken with Storm before we went on the air, I am under some kind of weird ass storm warning. It's not windy. It's not raining. It's not, there's no dark clouds. It's not thunder. It's not lightning. There's nothing happening, but there's a storm on the way. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so if we disconnect for, and, and obviously storm is on the way, he's on the other end of this call. But if something radically <laughs> weird happens, right? And if something radically weird happens and we cut off, it's not me it's the damn weather, although I still don't hear or see anything, so, okay. So, it'll sorry, probably just be a I computer under-
1: glitch or something.
0: <laughs> probably. So, your new book, The Satyr's Kiss, um, yes. I hear the reviews are raving like crazy. People are loving this book. Hey, thank you. Expect you. This, did you expect this kind of Adulation and appreciation for this book No, of course not. I
1: don't think I ever expect anybody to like anything that I do um i I'm very happy when they do, but whenever I'm wow. working on a project, i'm doing it more for me and mm-hmm. to fill a need that I might see you know in in the world and so and I'm just doing my best to to fill that need you know to fill that void um but i'm Obviously, very pleased that it's getting so much good attention. It hasn't all been good, you know, but that's to be expected. Really? Um, you know, yeah. I got I got this one re- scathing review on a Facebook group. Really? And um, I didn't I didn't even know the person, but somebody told me, "Oh yeah, there's a scathing review of your new book." And go here, and so I, I checked it out. But by the time I got there, the moderators had already shut down comments because people were fighting. And, and, and then the author of the review, like, flounced out of the group, you know, like, ooh, watch me leave. And um, I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then they copied it into a one-star review on Amazon. And I was like, wow, that guy really, he's, he's really mad. You know, he really hates this book. And that's, you know, that's his progress. You know, whatever. It's not going to be for everybody. Of course. But then I saw he, a few minutes later, because Amazon tells you, like, you know, if you look at who they are... And, and what their reviews are, it'll tell you what time and date they posted things. Yep. And then they did another one-star review of another one of my books, um, the tricks in between. And but it was actually lovely because part of the text of that review mentioned that they had spoken to another fairy initiate, and that initiate had told him that the stuff I do isn't really fairy. So I was like, oh, it's the fairy cult. That's what it is. You know, yeah. he's this guy's in 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 league, you know, somehow with, with the fairy cultists, and, and they just hate me. I'm, I'm living rent-free in their heads. So I'm like, oh, okay, I don't actually have to care. <laughs> Thank you, it released me. <laughs> so well, so it ended up I mean, being okay. But
0: it's, I, I don't understand why if you don't find something is for you that you just say, this is very nice, it's just not for me, and politely put it down and not be a douchebag. I don't understand why everyone <laughs> has to be a fucking dick online in public. <laughs> Didn't your mama teach you better? I mean, seriously. Yeah, apparently not. I, but, I mean, this- people are, of course, entitled to their
1: opinions, you know, but, you know, when the opinion is just so angry, and I'm like, I, have, I don't know why you're so angry, and then you say things like, oh, it's, it's not well written. You know, I'm like, well, girl, I know that's not true. You know, (laughs) I know I'm a good writer. Right. So thank you very much. But it's obviously not your cup of tea, but that's fine. You know, whatever. I think when I was younger, that kind of stuff would have hurt my feelings because, you know, I'm a Pisces and I'm sensitive. But I learned, you know, know, I'm not here for everybody. I'm an acquired taste. In order to appreciate me, you have to acquire some taste. So there you go.
0: Ah, love it. Love it. That was now, I like that. I'm going to use that sometime. That was good. Cool. Okay.
1: <laughs> I stole it from somebody. So,
0: I do You know, I was teasing you before we went on the air. And, uh, again, for those who don't know me, I have always identified as bisexual. I have always been out very publicly as bisexual. As a matter of fact, I've been out more publicly about my sexuality than I have about my witchcraft. Dr. Freud, mm-hmm. I need a call. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's not uncommon. Seriously. I hear that a lot from people because
1: it's, really. it's, it's it at least where you are, you know, depending on where you are in, in the country or in the world, it's probably more socially acceptable to be queer. But the, a witch, you know, mm. people still people don't know a lot of witches, unless you're like in a metropolitan area, you know, like – I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, so, you know, there's plenty of witches here, so that's no big deal. But, yeah, I've talked to plenty of people all across yeah. the country, and they told me the same thing. Like, they could come out as queer, but it was still yeah. more difficult, you know, to come out as a witch or pagan.
0: Understood. because I, And I don't, you know, here for me, for, and it's just me. This is not a judgment call on other people. I felt like because... I identify as female, and I identify as bisexual. However, I'm actually pansexual after having done some research, which I'm good Mm -hmm. with, uh, obviously. I don't, you know, I love everybody, and I've been in relationships with lots of different type of folks, because I like people. I don't really care about body parts. It's whatever... Whatever's attached is attached. That's fine. I don't really care. But, you know, someone's spirit, someone's sense of humor, there are certain things that I find incredibly attractive. And, again, I've been in lots of different relationships. Um, My plan this year, however, because I have crossed the 60 line and I've been where I've been for almost 20 years, I'm like, this might be the year I fucking hit them with it. But anyway, I always <laughs> felt it was important, right? I always felt it was important for me to, to be very public about my sexuality because I'm an older person, I look very femme, um, and I thought it wasn't, in my mind, it wasn't fair of me to pass. That is just a judgment on myself. I hold no one else to the things that I hold myself to in that regard. That is a personal, personal, personal yeah. decision, and I I yeah, just felt I that. that you know I could I could represent uh, a little bit better by just saying who I am and letting people know. And you know when people find out about about my sexuality, it's a funny thing because people I've worked with for years who knew at one time are always surprised when they hear it again. <laughs> uh, like oh right yeah it's, I mean because you know yeah. I'm like every fucking one else right but anyway that brings and people me love to the whole to, like
1: project people love to project yes. their own you know stuff onto other people and for some people if it's not like constantly <laughs> in their face they just re- you yes. know flow back to their original pattern or whatever is their comfort zone so it's very revealing about what people's yeah. comfort zones are.
0: Yeah, and I never got shit from anyone there for it. Um, even the homophobes were like, oh, yeah, okay, I forgot, okay. And <laughs> nice. they, you know, move along. It's like, well, you've known me all these years. I'm the same person that you've known all these years. Nothing in me has changed. I have been like this since young teenage years when I had my first girlfriend, stuff like that. You know what I mean? I I have been very privileged in the fact that I have not gone through the persecution that a lot of other people go through all the time. So I'm like, yeah, come here, I'll hug you. You can be under my wing and we're just going to get in people's faces and say, we are here and we are staying. (laughs) You can leave. (laughs) But um yeah you know, absolutely that brings me to this, yeah it, which brings me to the whole idea of civity and being inclusive and I wanted to tell you that I you know in reading this book you can see how much you cared that everybody would mm-hmm. be able to get something out of this book and it seemed like that was a very important thing to you wasn't yeah. It? yeah. It,
1: it was important to me because I, I feel there's value in being able to share um, different experiences with, with everyone, with different types of people, because that's how we learn, you know, about people. And so whereas the, the main focus, obviously, of the Satyr's Kiss is queer men, and that's however you okay. identify, you know, under that label, um, I was still hopeful that people outside of that label would also be able to find something useful. If nothing else, just something interesting, maybe you can understand, and like even like straight people, maybe then by reading this and um, seeing some of the references to um, queer historical figures and some of the struggles of the queer community, yeah. maybe it would help to give people a context of what that historical struggle has been and also maybe begin to understand that, hey, we have our own types of mysteries and magic that we might, you know, want to do and and participate in. And maybe some of that will even be inspiring to quote-unquote straight people. You know, um, I'm sure not all of it will be, but um, maybe a good chunk. If nothing else, you're learning about, dare I say it, another culture. And so I was hopeful that other people besides queer men would be able to get something out of it too, but I did – want to keep the focus on queer men because that was the primary audience that I felt has been underserved, you know, and it's also who I am. You know, I can't really speak exactly. of the unique experiences of women or trans people, um, but I still want to be inclusive and, and not, not exclude, you know, people. So it was kind of a tightrope walk, you know, tightrope walk, <laughs> if you will, Um, at at times. Um, And I also felt even for queer men, I wanted to explain to, you know, my fellow brethren that, hey, there are other types of queer men. It's not just cisgendered males. You know, trans men are men. And they have just as much a right to be here as we do. And, you know, we need to remember that, that, you know, hey, the, the queer community is a large umbrella that includes a lot of different people. And I think that diversity is such a uh, vast spiritual power. And I think it threatens a lot of people, you know, especially it threatens yeah. a lot of mainstream people. And um, I, I'm trying to put forward the idea that, no, this is not a weakness, you know, to, to honor differences in people, doesn't have to take away from what we ourselves have. And in fact, it, it, in, it lifts us all up, you know, so, That was kind of my hope behind, you know, at least part of the book. So I'm hopeful that that came through.
0: It did come through, and I'm very appreciative of that. As you know, I've been really excited about this book for quite some time before it even got released because I thought it was so important because I've never seen a book like it. And I thought, you know, we have to start honoring people, where they are, for who they are. In you know community, you know we're we're all on a similar path in the in the sense that we are non-Judeo-Christian pr- practitioners of magic to some degree or another, right? And I yeah. feel like there has there has not been such a book for you know our gay brothers, uh, and our trans men brothers. And this was so important. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, why did it take so long for us to get, not that you were on any kind of delay, because I know you've wanted to do this a super long time, but why has it taken publishers so long to see the value and the necessity of such a book? Well, I mean, it's interesting you say that,
1: because when I was writing the book and I was talking to some fellow author friends, especially some in the, uh, the older generation, there was one guy that said, really, Llewellyn is going to publish that? <laughs> and wow. I like, yeah, not given me they haven't given me any trouble. You know, they seemed really eager. But I think that a lot of it was just, it, it's taken society so long, you know, to, especially, I mean, I can normally only speak about, you know, my experience here in the United States, but still it's taken us so long. I mean, it wasn't really that long ago that, you know, queer sex was decriminalized on a federal level, you know, that, you know, and, and then marriage equality, which by the way, those Supreme Court decisions are in jeopardy today because of what we know going on with Roe versus Wade. And I don't want to go on a whole political tirade, but at the same time, politics is very much part of the queer experience because Um, Politics have been weaponized against us, and religion has been weaponized against us. And so queer people everywhere have kind of – either they've fled from religion, um, but whether they've stayed in religion or not, everything becomes political because it's a political statement just to live, just to exist as a queer person. And it shouldn't be that way, but that's how it is. Um, plenty of laws are being enacted right now. I mean, the famous one in Florida, Don't Say Gay, and there's many copycat laws that are propping, cropping up all over the United States. So we have to keep fighting. But I felt that part of that fight, part of that struggle, is that we need to re-sacralize queerness. You know, we need to remember that, yeah. hey, queer is not something that is just, oh, deviant in the sense that it's bad. Sure, it may be deviant in the sense that it deviates from quote-unquote the norm, you know, but the norm is overrated. I, I often love Absolutely. that Dorothy Parker quote, Heterosexual, heterosexuality is not normal, it's just common, you know, yeah. and, you know, not to get down on my straight brothers and sisters, you know, but, you know, we have to remember that we, we are a minority. But we've been beaten down, you know, for so long, especially through politics and religion. And so I wanted to create a space in which not only could we honor the political, and so I included a lot of queer figures from history who weren't part of the craft, but I feel should be honored as part of our craft today, what what I'm calling a queer craft And when I say a queer craft, I'm not talking about a specific tradition. You know, I'm talking about um, basically creating that tradition for yourself, you know, based on your queer needs. You know, so, um, but yeah, and and the the religious has been, you know, weaponized against this as well, mostly Christianity, but not just that. And so, um, but even in some places in paganism. You know, um, there's been a lot of homophobia and and transphobia. And, um, you know, we're hearing some of that now. You know, some people are speaking up in the Gardnerian Wicca tradition, you know, because there's a big thing going on now with some people saying that, oh, you can't include trans people. And if you do include trans people, you're not a traditional Gardnerian. You're a reformed Gardnerian. And this is really just fundamentalism all over again, you know, and yeah. so, and I, I have Gardnerian friends who are very inclusive, you know, Jason Mankey, yep. you know, for, in particular, who has released videos recently talking about how, hey, Gardnerian is for everyone, you know, and it it's is. not about yeah. the male and female forces, it's a magical religion that honors gods and goddesses, and I think that's so beautiful, and I'm so glad that he spoke out, because, you know, I learned something, because I, I was always taught. The Gardnerian was specifically about these male and female polarity, you know, um, interactions. And whereas that's obviously a part of it somewhere, that's not the be-all, end-all. So it's really nice to hear people speaking out and saying, no, we're here for inclusivity. and, and But we're uh-huh. not reforming our tradition. This is just how it goes, you know. And if you want to be exclusive, you can be exclusive, you know, um, and that's fine. I'm probably not going to hang out with you because that means you're a jerk. You know, but exactly. you know, you're a bigot, but you have the right to be a bigot, but you don't get to be invited to our parties, you know, if you do. So, so but coming exactly. back to, to the Seder's kiss, I, I wanted there to be something that was encouraging of specifically queer men, you know, that, hey, we can yeah. actually revel in our queer maleness. And that's not an aside from our spirituality. It needs to be front and center, and that's why I also included sex magic um, because there really wasn't anything that I found that was sex magic for queer men. A couple little things out there, but nothing like this. And I, I wanted to right. present something that told people, hey, queer sex is sacred too. And and yeah. that's something that we can um, utilize in our rituals if we want to. And And, and that's – a big thing if we want to, you know, even in this book, I'm not telling people, Oh, you have to have sex. You have to do these, you know, sex magic things in order to be part of the queer craft. No, the queer craft should be what you make of it. If you're a queer person and you want to have a queer craft, here are some suggestions in which how you might construct that for yourself or for your group. But I'm not going to tell people how to do it, you know, because we all have to figure out how to do it for ourselves. So I also included sure. um, versions of rituals that were not sexual, you know, because not everybody is going to be sexual. Yep. Some, some queer men are asexual, and, and yep. that's beautiful, and that's part of our community as well, and those people should be honored too. Um, so I, I did try to be as inclusive as I could, um, and, again, hopefully, hopefully that comes through clear enough.
0: It does. And uh, just a quick quick aside about what you were talking about a moment ago um, I am Gardnerian and if they want to call me a reformer oh. that's, that's fine I don't really give a shit because <laughs> quite frankly it's all a game of fucking semantics let me just say this it's a game of fucking semantics and if, if your craft does not change and grow listen I became a Gardnerian in the late 70s and it was mm. traditional British witchcraft But you know what? When you grow and you know more, you advance if you're a smart person. You learn things if you're a smart person. You change if you're a smart person. Any craft, any practice that does not evolve dies. My audience has heard me say that 9,000 times through (laughs) rants and every other fucking show because it pisses me off. Because if people want to stay ignorant and stay in the past, Good luck to you. The rest of us are well, moving here, ahead, so have a nice yeah, day, I mean, you know?
1: And here's the thing. You know, if, if you want your craft to be static and unchangeable, then there's no reason to train with another person. You can just read a book right. because a book is static and, for the most part, unchangeable yeah. unless it gets a revision, right? Right. Um, So, yeah, there you go. All you need is, here you go, here's the Book of Shadows. But then you're just trading the Bible for a Book of Shadows, you know. Oh, this is what the book says, so this is what we're going to do. An authentic religion, an authentic spirituality, I feel, is is going to be adaptable, you know. And, I mean, I'm not saying it has to change at its foundation, but it's like a tree, you know. The tradition is the roots of the tree. And But the the roots are not the only part of the tree. You know, it grows a trunk and then branches and leaves and flowers and fruit. And it will grow towards the sun and it will adapt. And, you know, that's how I see our traditions. They're living things. We don't regurgitate them. We engage them and let those things move through us. And then we're able to create something beautiful that's relevant to the world and to our communities. But some people are very... I think, threatened by that, and, and they see it as, oh, well, you're changing the tradition. Well, that's, I don't see it that way at all. I, I see you know, traditions, for the most part, as, as living entities, and we have relationships with them, and they should be able to be adaptable. And even in something like Gardnerian, as you would know, you know every coven is autonomous. It's run by the high priestess, and that's the law yeah. of Wicca, you know, they, there is no centralized authority. Same thing in, you know, my own fairy tradition. You know, there is no yep. centralized body. There's, there's no governing authority. You know, every initiate is autonomous, you know, in, in fairy. And yet we still have those arguments creeping up, you know. So I, when I heard people talking about the argument in Gardnerian about, oh, re, you know, traditional versus, re, versus reformed Gardnerian, in my mind, I, I heard these old arguments in fairy tradition, and they would use phrases like old fairy versus new fairy. You know, of course, uh-huh. the unspoken is old fairy is more authentic. And new fairy, well, we don't know about that new fairy thing, you know. And it's, it's just another way to divide people, to create schism. It's, it's an ego play. It's a power play. And um, I really don't want any part of that. That makes no sense to me. You know, I, we should really be absolutely. working together as much as we can. Because all witches, you know, we, all witches together are still such a minority. And yeah. especially now in this climate, we really should be having yeah. each other's backs. You know?
0: Absolutely. Sadly, oh, that's not how it goes. You know, and here's the thing that cracks me up about old versus new Listen, everything was new at one time. Relax. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, when wh- it first started, was new. whatever the fuck it is, it was new at one time, and other people right. decided that they were going to work together and build something. But this fucking isolationist existence we've been having, and it started way before fucking COVID, because I will tell you, when, when kids got cell phones and shit, Everybody was, you know, didn't want to have to engage because of personal discomfort, discomfort of rejection, fear of all kinds of things, which is shit we've all been dealing with since year one. Everyone has insecurities. Everyone has neuroses. But before cell phones, we had to engage. And the fact that now people don't have to and they get to be assholes on, on a keyboard somewhere and not take responsibility. It has a society, and of course, I'm not talking about every single person. But look around you, and see what is happening to people. They are becoming little islands unto themselves, and the idea of community—oh, it sounds good, it sounds nice—but no one does anything. In, you know what I'm saying? In the in the larger scope, people are still yeah, very closed
1: this idea of community, you know, when you talk about like the pagan community, well, it's not really a community though. You know, it's, it's, it's a scene, you know, it's the pagan scene. And within the pagan scene, we have individual communities and some of those are really healthy and and wonderful. And I, I will say, I, I feel personally blessed because, um, the communities that, you know, we have built and we tend to, um, Tend to, yeah. <laughs> you know, tend to be pretty healthy, I'm going to knock on wood, you know, tend to be pretty healthy. I think because none of us are really trying to be all that, you know, none of us are trying to lord it over anybody else or, or put on airs. Yeah. And, you know, I might talk about the you know, the specific experiences, you know, that, that I've had, and, you know, I've been doing this a really long time, but I'm not here to say, oh, because I've been doing this for more than 30 years, that makes me better you know, than somebody else who maybe just started a couple of years ago, we all have value and we all have our personal unique experiences with the divine. And I think we should be able to share those with each other. And certainly some people are more experienced than others, but when you start to feel that, oh, your length of time in the craft or your experience in the craft makes you a better person than somebody else, you've lost it. You've bought your own PR and now you're oh, you know, on board to just becoming a cult leader. You know, and so <laughs> I I really try to, you know, just be down to earth. You know, when I'm I do um for our Black Rose witchcraft course, um, we have a, a Discord server yeah. and so every, every week I uh-huh. do what I call an open office hour. And um people can bring questions, you know, about whatever and, and I'll I'll talk about them. But often we'll end up talking about hey, what'd you watch on TV last night? Or, you know, what's been going on with you? Let's talk about Star Trek, you know, whatever. Down to earth, it doesn't always have to be this grandiose, okay, this is the spiritual exercise. Because part of community is getting to know people and and becoming familiar with people. And it shouldn't just be about this hierarchy, and you must act this certain way. And, you know, but and I see a lot of witch communities do exactly that. It, it, it can give people an opportunity to really inflate their ego, and I, and that happens in occultism. I see that a lot. You know, and I've always kind of taken that as a warning. You know, like hey, that could happen to yeah. me too. You know, and so I just I want to watch it. You know, I'm just gonna be as honest as I can and as transparent as I can because. I yeah. feel like the minute I stop, it's possible because there's been plenty of good people that just became cult leaders, you know, and yeah. I, I think that's, 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 that's part of the human condition. You know, you we're wired towards tribalism to some degree, and, um, and that can be really scary. And how do you honor yeah. your tribe without then making it us versus them? And, and so And so that's right. something that I always kind of keep in the forefront of my mind is I can honor this tribe that we're creating, but I'm not going to isolate myself within that. You know we we have to engage the world, and we're all on, I think I said to you before the before the show started, we're all on this rock together, this teeny little speck yep. in an ocean of maddening nothingness. And if that doesn't yeah. encourage you to work with each other,
0: Then nothing will. Yeah, I mean, especially now at the brink of losing democracy. And I know some people are like, "Oh, fucking Raina, shut up! You're you're overdoing it." And I'm like, I don't think you're not. I think anything you're not overdoing. Everything's (laughs) on the fucking table. I know, right? I mean, it feels like once you start messing with the Constitution and settled law, I really have fear for all of my. Friends and most of my family, because they mm-hmm. fall into a multitude of sexual things, uh, learning-wise, emotionally, sexuality, non-sexual. I mean, all of it. I mean, I have a big multi-hue, multi-sexual and not family. I mean, this is my family. I I have Mm -hmm. to worry about this. So, You know, everything is not about me. I will never need another abortion. No one is looking for my ass. Just saying. But the idea (laughs) that other people who will need these things and need these services and they will lose the ability and the rights to things that I had access to terrifies the shit out of me. I will tell you. I have a 30-year-old son who is talking about getting a vasectomy because he doesn't want to get anyone pregnant and ruin their lives, potentially. Yeah, I I know I'm young, but these are things I have to think about. And I'm like, I respect what you're saying. I support what you're saying. I would be afraid, too. That's how crazy the world is. You know, it used to be, no one one gets an abortion on purpose, but, you know, things do happen. You need to be able to let people control their lives and their destiny. And as I said once before, uh, an abortion saved me from a violent partner, because if I had had another child with him, I could have been killed. So, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. People don't know. Folks just don't know. But, you know, we were talking about inclusivity, and and the other side of that which just gripes my detox is the fact (laughs) that we have to be inclusive sometimes. Why can't you write, or you being the general you, somebody write a book that says, you know what, I am tired of making all of society fucking comfortable Maybe we need to make them uncomfortable. What do you think about that? Well, I think, I think there's definitely
1: a place for that. You know, it's kind of that punk rock mentality, you know, you know going against the grain, which I think is also an inherent witchcraft mentality. You know, I, I do think that witchcraft yeah. at its core and its DNA is a, at least a bit counterculture, you know, because it, it holds up a mirror you know, to the overculture, culture and, and, and says, hey, look at this shit you're doing. You know, we get blamed, you know, for all this, but, you know, what the fuck are you doing? And I, I feel that witchcraft, again, kind of at its core, is a religion for oppressed people, you know, on some level. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. therefore I expect people who are witches to be more inclusive. I expect people who are witches to be more understanding of different types of people because, dude, you know, we're, we're in the, in the target, we're in the crosshairs, you know, in the religious right. We're right. Queer people and witches. It's like, there you are. Um, you know, so I'm always really disappointed when other witches are not inclusive, you know, when other witches are bigots, you know, the the turfs, you know, in, in, in witchcraft just freaks me out. Racists, You know, there's no place for this in the craft as far as I can... There's no place for this in the world as far as I'm concerned. I I think that if you are a racist, if you're a bigot, a misogynist, you know, transphobe, Islamophobe, all those things, you're a freaking bigot, you know? And you know what? Maybe you can get over it. And I've certainly heard stories of people who have, you know, seen the light and and repented and I'm always hopeful, you know? But there's... There's a lot now. I think the 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 right end of the political spectrum has really just been rearing its ugly head for the past several years. And I'd like to think that it's because they're on their way out. Um, but a, a a wounded and trapped animal can do a lot of damage. And so we have oh, to yeah. watch ourselves. The violence is on the rise. You know, um, hate crimes have been on the rise. Like what was it, 2020? Or um, there was a um, the highest spike in hate crimes, you know, in 12 years. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. it's, it's scary. You know, this anti-Asian hate, you know, that um, the former yep. guy fueled, you know, by his, his racist tirades about, you know, a virus. A virus doesn't, you know, a, a virus itself isn't racist. It's not, it's not attacking just one type of people. It's not the fault of just one type of people, You know, we have to come together, all the people, you know, to to tackle these things. And and we've just failed, you know, as a species, you know, we have failed this latest challenge. But, you know, we still can do it. We can step up, but we have to work together. We have to work together. And so I do think that inclusivity, you know, is very important. We need to, on some level, we need to, you know, make people comfortable enough to hear the message. But... We need a multi-pronged approach. It's not always about making people comfortable. You know, we shouldn't always have to make white people comfortable in order to talk about racism. It's not a comfortable Mm -hmm. conversation because it's a horrible thing, and we're all to some degree complicit in it, you know. Maybe not individually, you know, but collectively we are, and we need to have those tough conversations. And it's not going to be comfortable for the people who are the recipients of privilege. I'm a white person, you know, so I have to be anti-racist. Am I perfect with that? Absolutely not. I'm learning to do better each and every day, you know, but that's what we have to do. We have to own it. It's not white guilt. I don't feel guilty, you know, but I do feel a certain level of responsibility to do better, you know. Um, Oh, yeah. was that thing that just happened, you know, recently with Lizzo. You know, she released a, a, a song, and um, it had a slur, you know, in the lyrics. And it, it was a word that I actually didn't know was a slur. You know, the word, the word is spastic. Really? You know, and it comes from spastic. And that's something that people uh, used to call each other. You know, I grew up in the wow. 70s and 80s and whatever, and that was just a thing. Yep. And, and she had it in her, in her um, song, and, you know, people were upset about it, and they said, hey, that's not cool. And she looked at it like within like a day, like two days. She looked at it and was like, oh, you're totally right. I didn't know that that was a slur, but I see that it's hurting people. And so she took it out of the song and re-recorded that and released a version that didn't have it. And that's how you do. You you own your mistakes. You own your flubs and and you take responsibility for them. And then you move on. And that's how we make the world a better place.
0: Yeah, and you know, I will tell you, when someone is being corrected, approach really helps determine and guide what the outcome is going to be. I just, so- listen, I did something super stupid without even realizing it. I posted something um, and I didn't look at it enough. I didn't pay enough attention to what was happening in the picture and I had, uh, a very wonderful person and speaker come to me and say, listen, this isn't cool. You're, you know, I, I understand what your intention was, but this is what I'm seeing. And I went, oh, fuck, I am so right. sorry, Put hold it down. Totally. And, you know, we had another conversation. We had a few conversations after, and it, and I said, you know, when someone you were especially comes to you and says, hey, you fucked up, it makes it so much easier to accept and, you know, resolve quickly because I see people dig their fucking heels in. Oh, I can do what I want. No, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you just fucking shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm freedom thinking... is one thing, but, you know, freedom is one thing, but intentional stupidity? I'm sorry. That's just something else. An intentional ignorance, you don't want to learn something else. You don't want to see another way to do things. I find that reprehensible. I oh. hear you.
1: It, it reminds me, there's something I heard um, on social media at one point, and it's become kind of a mantra for me, and it's intention is less important than impact. You know, and I love that because it's not saying that intention isn't important. You know, it's it's good to have good intentions. But remember also that other phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? It's you sure. know, so we could have yep. the best of intentions, but then we have to see how did our words or how did our actions actually impact the situation, these people, the community, whatever. And, you know, and then we have to take responsibility for that. It was, you know, sure, it wasn't my intention to hurt your feelings, but that's what happened. And so I'm going to say, oh, I'm so sorry, that wasn't my intention, but I take responsibility for it because that's actually what happened. You know, so, and, and then hopefully we can move on to the next phase, which is, you know, forgiveness. You know, if there is a legitimate um, apology, if there is something restorative, you know, again, like with Lizzo, it wasn't just that she issued an apology. You know, she did something active. You know, she changed yeah. the lyrics. She made it better. That's restorative justice. And, and that's what yeah. we need, you know. And it, it, but that means that we have to take responsibility, right? And I've certainly had fuck-ups. You know, people have called me out, yeah. oh, did you recognize this? You know, whatever. Or did you mean to say that? And, you know, I'll think about it, like, oh, wow, you you know, you're right. So I've I've taken things down, you know, that I've said in the, you know, maybe heat of anger or or not even in anger. You know, just said something I thought was funny, you know, or or whatever, and then it's pointed out, hey, that's actually not cool. And, you know, okay, well, I'm going to take responsibility for that. Does that mean 100% of the time? No, because also some people on the Internet do want to just be offended. (laughs) There are a group of people that want to be offended, but we can't assume that that's always the case. And I feel like that's what happens. You know, people like, you know, comedian um, Ricky Gervais, you know, or Dave Chappelle, you know, these are people that I feel like, okay, I feel like they're the dinosaurs of comedy now because they're just digging their heels in and saying, oh, well, you're just looking to be offended. Well, no, we have a marginalized community, and they're offended because this impacts them and, and their life. You're making fun of a marginalized people that's definitely punching down, that has no place in a civilized society. And yet they're saying, well, it's my right because I'm a comedian.
0: You know, Well,
1: sure, it's your right maybe. You know You have freedom of speech, quote, unquote, but it's a real asshole thing to do. You know, you might think of yourself as a comedian, you know, because of it, but the rest of us yeah. aren't laughing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, that's that's a great point. It really is. I'll have to think about that more. Because I always look at comedy as being something separate, not necessarily the two people you mentioned, but, I mean, in general. I kind of, mm-hmm. like, There's there's certain things, there's certain comedians that I find Highly offensive, but, you know, or that I used to listen to, who I now cringe when I hear something that they did years ago. And, totally. Yeah. You know, and it's like shit—the things that society got away with, like all in the family. Do you remember all in the family? Oh my family? god!
1: Yeah.
0: Holy <laughs> shit! I mean, but yeah, yeah. no, I I take what you're saying. I've got to I've got to do more self-examination on on the on the comedy thing in general, you know. I, I agree with you. I mean, I try never to offend anybody, really. Like, I will tease people. When I do my live show, I tease people. I'm like, okay, tell me what you're doing here. Okay, I'm done with you. Go home now. And they laugh at me, but it's not meant as anything other than funny, you know. So I don't think I'm hurting anybody, but I'm not calling anybody out and I'm not making fun of people because I think that's not cool. Yeah. I there's, a, advice, there, there's a
1: difference. There's a difference. You know, I yeah. think, you know, comedians, one of their, I don't know, jobs as I see it in terms of like the spiritual role, you know, of a comedian okay. is to speak truth to power, you know, and and yeah. to look at those who are in power and and make fun of those people. Because, That's important because the people who are in power in the over-culture, we need to be able to call those things out and, you know, make fun of them. It's not threatening them because they're the ones in power. You know, you can make all the jokes you want to about white people, and I'm not offended by it because, you know, we're the ones who have oppressed other people, you know, collectively. And, you know, so we need to call – you know, we need to use – Comedy and, and other forms of art in order to shine a light on those power structures, yeah. but when you're using that power to call people out who are already disempowered, that isn't funny that's just mean and and, it, and that actually encourages violence you know words do matter you know um, when you have people you know calling you know other people less than human, you know that creates a situation in which certain people feel like other people are less than human, and then it's okay to perpetuate oppression, Mm -hmm. violence, murder, and that happens. You know, we just had that incident, right, that Texas Baptist preacher who literally told his flock that all homosexuals in America should be killed. We should all be put on trial. We should be lined up against a wall and a bullet in all of our heads because that's what the Bible says. It doesn't, actually. You know, but, you know, his interpretation is that's how it should be. I personally believe that that should not be protected under the First Amendment. I, I do feel that we should have something about hate speech. Hate, hate speech should not be protected because it directly goes into violence, and we can see the correlation.
0: Anything anything that, uh, that encourages others to commit a crime upon yes. another person, that is that's hate? I thought hate speech was outlawed at one time. Didn't someone try to um, write a bill and get no. it passed? Oh,
1: I mean, good well, luck right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we can't. We can't even. Oh. We get, can't even collectively decide that you know that abortion is okay. And you know, I'm of the camp yeah. that not only is abortion okay, I think it should be free. You know, I I, I think we I should make too. it super easy for for. Um, um, women and, and others who have wombs to be able to get abortions. No questions asked. You know, you shouldn't yeah. have to go through any sort of like counseling or, you know, what? no, that's your right. It's your body. You should be able to do what you yeah. want with yeah. your body. And, and the fact that's that great. we're debating this as a species is yeah, deplorable
0: absolutely. to me. I agree. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're totally on the money with that. Because and it's it's not even just that it's like a domino effect. The first one falls and then every fucking thing else falls after it. And the next thing right. you know, we're back in the fifties. Right. Yeah, or 30. worse.
1: You know, it, it's yeah. you know, and and we're and that's that's a real thing. I know that that's you know, people say, oh, the slippery slope, the slippery slope. But in this case, that's absolutely true, because you know the same. Um, legal rulings that went into, you know, Roe versus Wade, you know, are the same legal ro- rulings that gave us, you know, the decriminalization of homosexuality and equal marriage rights. Yeah. So if you're going to nullify, you know, what allowed Roe v. Wade to be the law of the land, that means the others are, they're just they're next. You know, they're they're just next. So yeah. I, I, I want it's people to be very aware of that. On the table. Yeah, And and that's another reason I felt felt that, you know, this type of book was important. I mean, obviously when I was writing this book, we hadn't had that news about Roe versus Wade, but we'd had all these laws, you know, coming up about, you you know, not allowing, you know, queer people to exist, you know, don't say gay, and, um, You know, So when I was writing The Sager's Kiss, it was also because I want there to be something out there that's saying, hey, it's okay to be you, and in fact, it's powerful and it's magical to be you. And you don't have to hide this aspect of yourself in order to be a witch or a warlock or whatever term you want to use. You, You can make it front and center if that's what you want, and if that's not what you want, that's fine too. You don't have to practice the craft this way. I'm not telling everybody that this is how queer people must practice. I'm just giving some suggestions yeah. as, as to what we might include to make our spirituality speak more to us and our lived queer experiences.
0: Absolutely. It's such a fantastic book. Really you really I, outdid Thank you. Thank you so I'm, much. I, I really –
1: that's very touching. Thank you.
0: I'm blown away by it. I knew it was going to be special, and I had told you that I knew it was going to be special. And it outdid in my mind everything that wow. I thought it was going to be, so well, I am, thank I'm you appreciate wow. <laughs> it, it it means It means so much that I have this book for people that I love that I can share with and encourage them to go buy go buy this book um, oh, you know I. are really going to make me cry <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> It's been such a necessary book. And if you're just somebody who loves people, and I, I kind of fucking do. I, I mean, I know I'm cranky and, I'm, <laughs> you know, I I complain about being old and my ass hurts and my tits are dropping. But, you know, I really do love people <laughs> and I want them to be okay. And it's yeah. not just the people in my sphere because, quite frankly, we're on as a as a species we're on a collision course with some really bad shit and i'd fucking rather see us hang together That's
1: right absolutely absolutely yeah.
0: there's too much division love. Uh-huh. you know,
1: and and, yeah. and the i feel like the only way we really can effectively come together is not by ignoring our differences it's it's by looking at our differences and honoring our differences. And once we are able to look at somebody who is different than we are and we can legitimately honor them, then we have the first glimmer of hope, you know, as a species to be able to come together and actually do this thing right. And, you know, I'm just like, we better figure it out soon because one of these days, one of those asteroids is not going to miss. You know, <laughs> we, need, right? we need to collectively come together and realize we are on this rock together and we have to work yeah. together. And that doesn't mean we all have to be homogenized. The opposite is true. We, oh, that yeah. means we have to honor our differences and be intrigued, interested in each other's differences. Because maybe there's something exactly. in how somebody else is doing that's, you know, maybe it's not what you're doing and it may, maybe it even makes you feel uncomfortable but sit with that. What about it makes you feel uncomfortable? Is it just because it's foreign to you? Maybe there's something in there that's actually useful. You know, maybe, maybe right. it can give you a perspective on your own life. You know, I think only through looking at other people and trying to look through their eyes, you know, do we start to get that spiritual message of unity. You know, a lot of, a lot of spiritualities, a lot of religions like to talk about, oh, we're all one, we're all one. And yet there's a lot of tribalism you know, that says, oh, no, it's us versus them. I think it's okay to have your tribe, but the minute it's us versus them, you've lost it, you know? So I want people to work with people who are unlike them. And that was another reason why I wanted to be as inclusive as possible, you know, with this book, because I'm hopeful that more people will get the message, and yet it's still focused, you know, on a particular community. because. That's you know I, I'm a gay man, and so that's really what yeah. I can speak of with some authority. And not that I can speak for every gay man; we're certainly not a monolith, you know. And I, there's plenty of gay men that can't stand me, you know, and have want nothing to do with what I'm doing. That's fine too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm hoping that that message, you know, of you know, being able to honor each other's differences. And then being proud of our own differences, you know the queer community is a is relatively small community, but we're wildly colorful, and we're wildly oh, yeah. diverse, and I, and I feel that makes for us sure. strong. You know there, for a while, there, a few years ago, there was a change.org petition that was drop the T from LGBT, and it was just terrible, just horrible. Oh, and there were even some horrible. people who were elders you know, in the well-known elders of the craft who signed that petition. And I saw their signatures on this petition and a couple of them I called out, you know, because uh, this is not okay. You know, we are, we're not here to divide ourselves. We need to work together, you know, and so, but, but those things, you know, I, I, those people who had signed that petition didn't feel that they were being hateful in doing it. They thought it was logical they were so ingrained in just their own perspective that other people's perspectives just were invisible to them. And so I think we constantly have to be exposed to other points of view
0: in order to better understand our own. Yep, absolutely. People who do that are coming from a very privileged position. It's amazing to me because they completely ignore that anyone else would have any views differing from their own, it just cracks me up.
1: Yeah, it's, it's I, you know, I mean, yeah, you have to laugh at some point because the alternative is you're either gonna cry or you're gonna be so angry you're gonna burn out. And not that anger is bad, if we can okay. do something, if we can channel that anger into right action, you know, just not let it poison yeah. us, then that, that's fine. But sometimes you do, you just have to laugh just have to laugh it off and I try to do that with you know bigots on the internet you know people will every once in a while comment to my stuff because I, I try to say things that are inclusive and and affirming to yeah. people I, I'm often yeah. trying to affirm trans people in the craft I'm, I'm not trans but you know I I think it's really important that that non-trans people that cis people affirm trans lives I think that's important and people have asked me, Well why? If you're not trans, why are you doing this? I'm doing it because I'm not trans. That's why I'm doing it. Because they're different yep. than me and they deserve the same respect as anybody else. And I see them being attacked all the time. You know, even within the queer community, you know, they're they're often attacked and excluded. You know. And also I will say to some degree the um it's not as violent, but the same thing with bisexual people. There's often an erasure of bisexuality. Oh, yeah. And so I, wanted, I, I definitely oh, yeah. mentioned that in The Seder's Kiss as well um, because a yeah. lot of gay people will, you know, have these judgments. Oh, well, they're not really bi. You know, they just, they're just confused or they just haven't figured it out or yeah. they're just trying to look cool. And I'm like, no, people, bi- bisexual people exist. That's real. You know, yes. it might not be it's your lived dear. experience and that's fine. I'm not bisexual, but I'm not going to assume that everyone is gay just like me just because that's my life experience. That's pretty small minded.
0: So oh my anyway, God. Blah blah the blah. Guy, rant, rant, rant. I have to, <laughs> I have to tell you something. It's I mean it's but it's true. And quite frankly, I will be honest with you, the person that that I gave my virginity quote unquote to. I was raped previously, so oh. I didn't consider that anything. But oh, the yeah, person yeah. I gave my virginity to um, was a gay man. It was oh, so sweet. He was like, I want to help you get over this bad experience. I want to, I, I think we need to uh, do something so that you don't wind up hating men, and I think I'm going to help you fix it. And he did. And it was a wonderful, wow. magical, loving thing to do, one human being to another human being, that he was concerned. I mean, he loved me. We were very close. We were very good friends. And he just did not yeah. want me to have this poison inside me about men. And, I, you know, and I was like, are you going to be able to do this? Because, I mean, I was, like, 18 and ignorant. And... <laughs> okay i could i i think i'll be able to manage and it was just like one of the (laughs) sweetest things that anyone has ever done for me in my entire life you know and i guess that informed that wound up informing my love of you know non-straight people just saying Mm Mm-hmm. it's an experience thing and i'm lucky because i've had a lot of them i've had a lot of experiences one thing, and I, and I know we're out of time, but I've got to keep you just like another couple of minutes. There's, you know, in the book, you talk about the queer Sabbath, and you mention the feast of Eddie Bazinski, and I got tears in my eyes because I'm from
1: mm.
0: New York, and uh. I remember when he was alive. So thank you for putting him in there. It, was, it meant a lot to me, and I teared up and everything, and... It oh was, my goodness. like well, of course. Kind of like, oh. Yeah, I just think Yeah, they I'm, were I'm still, in the book like, I I'm still I'm
1: still amazed at how many um specifically queer men, witches or warlocks haven't heard about him yeah. or maybe haven't heard about the Miller really? Brotherhood. And um yeah, right. you know, I I'm 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 often, you know, mentioning it and people are like, "Oh, I haven't heard of it." You know, and so that was another thing I wanted to include people from our history because Sure. These stories, if we don't sh- keep sharing them, they, they, they will go away. They'll die out, you know. And, and yeah. the era that I come from, you know, I didn't know a lot of older queer men because they had died Life. out because of the Life. AIDS crisis, the AIDS, AIDS. plague. And sure. it wiped out an entire generation pretty much, and, including Eddie Buzinski. And, um, Uh you know, so there weren't a lot of people who were in a position to share these stories. And so that's another reason why I wanted to include them and and make sure. And obviously, it's just a a drop in the bucket. You know, the the book could have been like six times as big as it was if I tried to include everybody. So I tried to just do a smattering of people, both in the craft and out of the craft, whom I thought played a certain role in the development of collective queer consciousness. And But I'm hoping that people will continue their homework and go out there and and find about all the people that I didn't get an opportunity to include Um, because these are important stories that we need to remember Um, because, you know, if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it.
0: Doomed to repeat it. Yep, absolutely. All right, before I let you go, tell people where they can find you and if you're doing anything (laughs) in person and all the good information, please.
1: All right, thank you. So obviously you can find me at my website, fairywolf.com. That's F-A-E-R-Y, W-O-L-F.com. That's A before E, um, just for you people trying to write it down quickly. Um, you could also um, find um, our collective. I say our, it's uh, my partners. We, we are House Four Locks, and that's myself and my husband, Chad Bogan, and our partners, Devin Hunter and Matt Oren. And you can find our online school at modernwitchuniversity.com. And that's the home of Black Rose Witchcraft, a one-year online course in the craft. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I probably won't respond much on Instagram or Facebook, so find me on Twitter. <laughs> and in terms of events, <laughs> um, I'm trying – I'm scrambling with my brain trying to think, what events are we doing? Um, nothing in person – um, but I do have some okay. virtual events, and in October I'm going to be doing um, some moat.con, so I'll be posting about that at some point uh, in the future. And then also in November we will have our third annual The Witches' Sabbath, and then you can go to witchessabbat.com, and um, although it's not updated yet, it still has info for the last one. But we're, I think, having a planning meeting in the next couple of weeks to get on that for, for the next one, so I'm very excited about that. But if you want to find out more, just go to my website, fairywolf.com. I will have things up there, my blog, um, poetry, spells, all sorts of stuff, my art. Um, And then, of course, if you wanted to buy stuff, we have an online store, daturatrading.com. So check them out, please. Um, We are witches 24-7. That's how we make our living. We don't have regular mundane jobs. So if you want to support us, you can buy our books um, you can buy services. We do offer services um, online through Zoom. Um, and again, the classes at modernwitchuniversity.com. And I'm so grateful of everybody who has um, given me a um, good rating and review um, for the latest books um, on Amazon and Goodreads. I just want to Im- implore the listeners, if you have read my books and if, if you have enjoyed them, please consider giving me positive ratings on Amazon and Goodreads. It makes a big difference to the sale of a book, and that's how I eat. So I really appreciate all the support. Thank you so much. And thank you, Raina, for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. I'm always delighted to be able to spend some time with you.
0: Same here. Again, the book is The Seder's Kiss. As a matter of fact, Christopher Penzak wrote the foreword. Um, yes. This book has, is a long time in coming, and if even if you are not, um, it, it, even if you're not a clear person and you're a straight person even, there's things in here that are, He really was inclusive. I mean, there's things that we can all employ. There are stories of importance that we all need to know. There's spell work. It, it, it's geared for, for gay men, but I will tell you that being as kind and inclusive as Storm is, he made sure that there was enough for everyone to enjoy this book. I highly recommend oh. it. It is a beautiful, beautiful book and such a long time in coming. There's nothing else like this out there. Please pick it up. Thank you. Uh, and it's on Audible, again, too. Thank you. Oh, it's on Audible. woo yeah. yeah. I was, I was surprised. <laughs> cool. they, did
1: an, they did an audiobook. So if you listen to audiobooks instead of, you know, reading physical copies, yeah, you can get yeah. it on Audible. So I'm, I'm very excited about that.
0: Fantastic. Once again, Storm, thank you so much, and uh, I'll hit you up for another visit very soon, okay? Right on.
1: Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me back.
0: Same here. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Okay, guys, that's it for tonight. I will see you next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Look after each other. Do something nice for somebody. Blessings to you all. Talk to you next week.